Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode this week. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen. And this week, on this week's podcast, we're doing something a little different. Um, I, I do have a guest like we traditionally do or that we do every week. Um, but this week, I'm, I'm joined by Jack Borman of Canis Hoopus. Um, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you're familiar with Jack. Um, I work alongside him, Leo, and Benny at, at Canis Hoopus to, to do Lynx coverage, um, as well as um, some other uh, Timberwolves coverage as well. Uh, but Jack has been on the podcast a few times. He was on earlier this season, um, right before the season, I believe it was. Uh, one of the first podcasts I, I did uh, this year. And then he was also on with uh, Leo, who I mentioned, Leo's son from um, Canis Hoopus. And we did kind of a, a preseason uh, roundtable. But um, on this week's podcast, um, I'm joined with Jack, or joined by Jack, and we, and we kind of dive into everything uh, links related up to this point in the season. Uh, we kind of. When we recorded the podcast, it was just after the All-Star break. Um, it was in between the, the two games, first two games right out of the All-Star break. Um, so we kind of talked about the Lynx, um, you know, earlier in the season, um, kind of how the how the season has gone, where the Lynx are kind of at the All-Star break or at the midway point. Now they're a little bit beyond that. Um, but we talked a little bit about that, um, some of the expectations that maybe went into the season, how they're, how they're playing out halfway through a year. Um, and then we kind of we kind of dive into the roster. We kind of dive into performers, um, how people have done, how how the Lynx have done in general, how they've improved, how they've maybe taken a step back. And then we take a look at the at the future. We take a look at um, you know the, not only the rest of the season, but we take a look at you know the the off season ahead. Um, what might happen with Minnesota when they when they get you know let's let's say they they get into the playoffs or maybe they're a bottom four team. Um, we kind of break down both scenarios, maybe the possibilities that are out there, maybe the free agent market. Um, you know, Minnesota may, might dabble into to that market. Um, so we kind of dive into everything um, and kind of take a full full scope of of the Minnesota Lynx. Um, so it, it was it was good to good to be be joined by Jack. He's always great. I, I love talking basketball with Jack. Um, I, I do it. I'm lucky to be able to do it quite regularly. So I appreciate Jack for joining. Um, we could have uh, definitely definitely recorded this podcast a little bit longer than than what we did, but um, you know, I appreciate Jack joining, and, and it was a great conversation. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to uh, mention our Patreon page. If, if you are, are able to, you get early access to podcasts such as this one, other perks like bonus content, other news information. You get uh, new, newsletters more regularly, which has um, you know special uh, content within those that nobody else gets. Um, and then you you also get you get some other perks. You get um, you know all the information that that I know. I send it along to my patrons, um, and I try and give them discounts. I try and give give them um, you know exclusive perks and more. So if you're able to, um, please go check that out. It's patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Anything you can do is is much appreciated. Um, obviously, I don't do this for the money, but uh, you know being able to to have have some added um, you know income to to be able to ensure the longevity of this, make it even better. Um, that definitely helps with with all of that. So I appreciate anything you can do. At least um, you know go check out patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Um, start a seven day free trial if you want to test it out, and then if you like it, um, you can sign up for a membership. So without further ado, let's let's jump into this week's podcast with Canis Hoopus site manager Jack Borman. Jack, how are you doing, man? Thank you for joining me. I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, a lot of people are are familiar with with obviously you being on the podcast. Uh, we. I think I've had, maybe I've had you on a few times now, at least once I know that, or, you know, we've been, I've had you on a few times, one is yourself and then one with, with Leo as well from Canis Hoopus. Um, 
But uh, before we jump into things, I, I usually let my guests do this, um, and I, I want to let you do this too. Um, kind of plug your work and plug plug your social media handles anywhere anybody can find your work if you want to want to plug that information. Yeah. Um, so people can find me on Twitter at jrborman13. Um, have all my stuff on there, um, and, and obviously all my my work is it is it Canisupis between both both links and Wolf's coverage. So um mostly mostly link stuff for me uh in the summer obviously with uh with the link season in full swing so um don't have anything you know any big projects cooking right now just ready to get into uh second half coverage absolutely um i i gotta gotta admit i'm not just saying this um it's it's been a lot of fun being on, on the canis team this year um working alongside you and and kind of everything that we've been able to plug out or kind of push out and uh, put together. It's, it's been a lot of fun so far. It's only been one half of the year. So it, there's, there's definitely more to come. And um, it, there's one thing for certain with this Lynx team that there's usually no shortage of storylines to write about. So that's, that's kind of been <laughs> one way or the, the other. So yeah. Far. You know, thankfully there's a variety Unlike last season. It was, was, uh, it was pretty monotone throughout, unfortunately. Right. Well, let's on that note, let, let's kind of jump right into things. Um, you know, we we just exited the All Star break. Um, as we're recording this podcast, the Lynx um, are in the middle of a, um, a kind of a two game stretch where they just played Indiana, um, and they're going to be playing uh, Los Angeles here to round out uh, kind of the week, but not not the full entire week, but just the the weekday games. Um, it it seemed like Jack at at the beginning of the you know obviously they started zero six begin the year. Um, they ended up turning things around. It looks like they almost kind of had things figured out, even though they were missing some some key players. Um, they started to kind of get their feet underneath them, and then all of a sudden, you know, you you you. I mean, you can't you can't really expect to to put up a, a good fight against Las Vegas. Las Vegas is unreal this year, and, and they're gonna I think you know do that to well they will do that to a lot of teams they already have. But um, you know they hit that that two game stretch right before the All Star break where they they play Vegas, um, you know get blown out. They play Dallas, get blown out even more. You know heading into the All Star break, you think that maybe they they kind of have that that rest and that that break to recoup. Um, and then they, you know they they kind of they didn't get blown out against Atlanta, but it ended up being closer than than maybe it was. But that the first half definitely you know was on on blowout pace, but um, just kind of talk about from your perspective what what you think the the you know, how things have go been going or how things are right now. And, and especially this last three game stretch for Minnesota. Yeah. I think it would have been really easy to write this team off after starting 0 and 6, just considering, um, you know, they, they weren't exactly projected to be, um, you know, a top half of the league team. Um, so uh, I think that the way that they responded to that was, was really encouraging. And I think speaks a lot to the the makeup of the team in terms of the personalities in that locker room and, and how well this team has, um, has bonded and, and, and gotten along. And, and that's something that, um, you know, this team did not talk about at all last season. So it's not just something where they're, they're kind of blowing smoke. Um, it, they all genuinely really like each other. And I think that that's really important for a team to, um, you know, be able to to put a product out there that's greater than some of its parts. And um, I, I would say, you know, really for for all of June and the early part of July, um, that was what the Lynx were. They, they were playing like a team that was greater than some of their parts. And, and a lot of that, you know, also had to do with injuries and the fact that um, they really stepped up with, with um, you know, with Diamond being down and, and Tiff being down and Jess being down and, and AP being down as a score off the bench. Um, so 
you know, and, and now you're talking about another scores off the bench. You're going to have Rachel out now too, for, for about a month here coming up. So, um, you know, I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock into the Las Vegas game or the Dallas game, to be quite honest with you, because in my opinion, those two teams are like the worst possible matchups for, for the Lynx um, in, in the entire league. Like I think both of those teams are, are tougher opponents for the Lynx to play than, than even like the Liberty. Um, so like, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not really too worried about it. Um, I, I think that, you know, Atlanta is a really, really talented team and playing on the road. Like that's a tough game. I don't think that, you know, them losing by nine, or even if it felt like more of a 15 point loss, that that's really something that is going to sound off any alarm bells for me. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Cheryl Reeve has been really, really eager to tell everybody that her team hasn't figured it out, that the, that a huge reason why they, why they played so much better in June was because, and this is, you know, true that the schedule is significantly easier. I, I think that they did figure some things out on the floor, but, um, but just keeping on that schedule point, I mean, you look at, you look at what their schedule looks like the rest of this month. Um, you know, it, it it's pretty tough um, in that they really only have two easy games, I would say, and that, you know, Los Angeles, they should absolutely win that game on, on Thursday. Um, and then they should absolutely beat uh, the Mystics at, uh, in Minneapolis, um, next Wednesday as well, considering the Mystics don't have Shakir Austin, Ariel Atkins, or Lana Deladon. So, um, yeah, I would say that those are two must-win games, considering that they've got to play Vegas, New York, Connecticut twice, and then uh, and then New York again to to start next month. And, and I think if they if they want to be able to make the playoffs, they've, they've really got to take advantage of uh, of a lighter schedule um, in the middle part of August. And then to close the season, they've got three really, really winnable games to close the season. So, um, yeah, I think it, it's just going to come down to winning the games that you absolutely can win and, uh, you know, and, and trying to just, you know, put forth the best effort you can against some of the league's elite teams and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Kind of going into the the second half of the year, it, it almost seems like, you know, if you could predict how the second half of the year is going to go, it it you would think that maybe it'll go like the first half did, where you know Minnesota starts off slow and then maybe they they kind of catch back up or bounce back, um, you know, maybe in the middle um, middle ground of of that that stretch or that that latter portion of the year, and then maybe ultimately come up short. Who knows? Um, whatever the outcome may be, but it, it seems like especially like you know you that that ten game stre- uh, stretch that you just mentioned, or even you know nine ten games, whatever that is. That's tough. I mean, that that is tough, especially for a team that's still trying to figure things out now, um, you know, and, and also dealing with with some players being out, um, notably on offense, which, you know, with with the links, this team is if it doesn't have offense, it's they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop too many people. So they, they need that offense to, to keep them in games. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's they're in a tough spot there. It's just when we think we think, you know, we have this team figured out. Um, they, they throw a wrench into the, the whole thing and, and we start to, to kind of second guess again, but that's a sign of a young team. I mean, that's, that's the ups and downs of a young team and they're, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, they came out as flat as they did after the all-star break, just with how they were talking before the all-star break of, we got to figure this out. We got to come back strong. Um, and then ultimately kind of laying an egg again, like they did the, the two games leading into the all-star break, but what I guess, what are your thoughts on, on what, you know, where the links are right now, but, you know, going into the season, did you, 
did you anticipate that they'd kind of be where they're at right now, or did you think it maybe be better or worse than, than where they're at right now at this point of the year? I thought that they would be a little bit better. Um, you know, just because I, I think I, I had the most generous projection of, of where they would be. Um, I, I think I was 20 and 20. Um, and then you drop two wins for, for, as you go down the list. So we had, you know, in 18 and 22 from Benny for uh, 16 and 24 from you. And then, uh, and then Leo at 14 and 26. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, for them to be a 500 team, they're, they're a little bit behind that right now being nine and 12. Um, but, but, you know, I think that they've been playing well enough and, and if they're going to be able to have now diamond and Tiffany and fee, um, you know, and hopefully get Jess back here real soon. Um, you, you would think that they'd be able to win one or two uh, of the games against uh, the WNBA's really elite teams here coming up. Um, you know, maybe not, maybe not in Vegas, but, but potentially in New York or Connecticut. Um, I, I do think that, that they'll be able to be a lot more competitive in those types of games if, if they can get, um, you know, just back to go with those three players um, and, and continue to get, get good versions of Kayla McBride. Um, so I, I would say at this point, they probably project to come up a little bit short of, of the 500 projection that I had for them. Um, but also I didn't anticipate Diamond Miller missing, you know, however many games and just being out this long. So I, I still feel pretty decent about that projection, considering, you know, that you generally assume that a team is going to be healthy and it's what the, you think the team can do at full strength. So, um, but I think what's really encouraging for me is if you kind of go back and look at their schedule here in terms of like the really, truly, like they should probably win this game. They, they lost to Chicago. They lost to Phoenix early in the year. And then outside of that, the rest of the, rest of the the first half their only loss against one of those really winnable teams was um was indiana at home um that that friday night game um of that that celebratory weekend that they had and so then you look at at the other games they had they had five super winnable games right in a row and they went five and oh so they went five and three in those really winnable games i think you probably would have liked to see them go six and two um to feel a little bit better about where they are but i, I still think that that's really encouraging um, that, that they're beating teams that, that they should beat, uh, um, based on just the talent and the roster, uh, and, and what their, you know, group is, uh, you know, presently constructed is able to do on both ends of the floor. Um, so I would say, you know, if you get Jess back, hopefully you can, you can improve upon that. Um, you know, if you're going to still be able to beat the Chicago's, Indiana's, Seattle's, uh, of the world, um, then, then that'd be a huge help. And then, you know, maybe if you're playing a, if you're playing in Atlanta or New York, you're able to steal one of those games um, just with, with having a, a really solid showing. Um, so I, I certainly think that that the Lynx are in a good spot in terms of being able to make the playoffs. Um, like the Sparks, the the Sky, I don't think either of those two teams um, are really in a better position. I haven't seen their schedule, so I can't speak to really like you look at like strength and schedule remaining um, how much easier or harder those two team schedules are. But when you just think about all the different injuries that the links have had and illnesses that the links have had in hopefully getting some of those players back, like, are they still going to find a way to be worse than those two teams? Like, I just don't know, mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. You never know. The good news for, for the links is you know, it, it's, it's happening 
you know, with, with them, you, know, you could kind of you call the three game skid or whatever the the skid is by the time this this podcast airs. You know, you can call that a drop off. But the good news is everybody else that you just listed, you listed, you know, Chicago, L.A. I mean, Indiana has picked up a win here and there, but they're you know they're still kind of dropping down. You got Phoenix, Seattle. They're all they're all starting to fall too, and and they're falling at the same time as well. So it's not like you know Minnesota's going one way, all the other teams are going you know shooting up the standings. Um, it's there for the taking, and it it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it like you said, it, it is a good sign that they're winning the games that that they need to they need to win. Um, and there there are some top tier talents in in the league as there always is, but that that they're playing now and and they they can't avoid throughout the year. So it. I mean, I I agree that, you know, you mentioned with our, our pregame or our preseason predictions that we had at Canisupis that we were all kind of around the 500 mark or below. Um, and and I, they're they're kind of like you said, they're probably not on pace for 500, but they you know, they could meet a lot of, you know, kind of fall in that range of, of what we kind of all thought as, as a team of where they were going to finish. And um, I overall, it's. To back to my question, I it is what I think a lot of people expected. A everybody expected that it would be you know a learning experience to be an up and down year. It's it's a young team that happens. Um, you know I I think people kind of had that false hope of when they went five and zero, oh, like oh this team's got to figure it out. Cheryl's turning them around, all that stuff. Um, you know people ride kind of ride those waves, and fans kind of ride those waves as you, as you go through winning streaks and losing streaks, but. Um, that that's the reality of where Minnesota is right now. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to make it far in the playoffs. So they reach the playoffs. I think they're probably going to lose in the first round, but you know, it, it's about building blocks and, and kind of building for the future. They know that this team isn't the finished product. So um, overall it's, you know, it, it, it's not, the season's not over. So I don't want to say it's a success or a failure yet. We're in the middle of the season. So it's, it, there's still a lot to play out and, um, you know, they it, it could still be an ex, a success even if they don't make the playoffs, just based on how the team's performing, how the development is, um, and you know, obviously if people can stay healthy, that's a key thing, which has been a problem with this team all year, as it has been league wide. But um, yeah, we've seen good flashes, and now it's just now it's just a matter of of continuing to build on those, and we'll we'll see what happens. If if Diamond can stay healthy, I think that that's a huge success. Um, just to to kind of get her consistent playing time and get her feet wet in this league and, and to kind of build up that consistency for her. Um, so that I think that's probably the A topic um, or, you know, the the top thing that they need to do. But um, yeah. And, and I think that you won't really be able to determine this season, a success or a failure until, um, you know, until we see what happens, uh, what the roster looks like heading into uh heading into to next season. And that uh, what I mean by that is that I think the Lynx are in a pretty unique win-win position right now in that, you know, I, I don't think it is a secret that uh, uh, the Lynx would like to be able to a star point guard. Um, and I don't think that it is a secret that Caitlin Clark has, has been a multiple uh, Lynx games this season. Paige Beckers has been to a a Lynx game this season. I would imagine that both would would be enthused by the idea of being able to play for the Lynx, considering that you know it's both of those players. That's like the team that where they grew up. That was like the WNBA team for those respective markets. 
Um, so if you walk away with either one of those two players and you showed success uh, or you showed, you know, good development from Diamond Miller, Fee obviously took this huge next step. Um, you know, Caleb McBride had another really solid season. Um, Dorka Juhas, you know, played a lot better than than what a lot of people may have anticipated her to play. Um, and then you could also think about bringing in somebody like Maya Hirsch next season or or the season after that. So let's say you, you get one of those two players or you go look at the free agent market and, and you're able to play well enough, you make the playoffs, you, you overachieve in a sense of where, you know, a lot of people predicted that you'd be early in the season. And then you're able to use that argument of like, hey, look how far we got without having a star point guard. And now, you know, you want to look at, at bringing in somebody like a Jewel Lloyd, who, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent next season. Or, you know, there, there's, I mean, there's plenty of other star guards available on, on the market in terms of, um, in terms of like Ariel Atkins is round, um, you know, that's a player that that's played with, uh, team USA, USA basketball under Cheryl Reeve, um, you know, Kalia Copper isn't necessarily a point guard, but, um, you know, is somebody that, that absolutely could handle some of that, that ball handling duties if, if they wanted to run more of the offense through fee and Jess, um, you know, I mean, and then too, like, you know, you could think about somebody like a like a Benajah Laney who also has Team USA experience or, um, you know, who knows what other guards become available if, if there's trades or, or players getting waived or, or whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, the Lynx are just in a really good position to be able to bring somebody like that into the fold when you consider they have a good mix of veterans and young players with, with Kayla and Fee and then Diamond and Dorka and, um, and potentially, you know, if Maya Hirsch does come over, I think it'll probably be another year. I, I would expect that she's there by 25, but, but I'm not sure. Haven't really heard much about that topic uh, since the draft. Um, so we'll see. I, I just think that it's anybody that's like rushing to call the season a success or a failure based on, you know, what the standings look like on the last day of the regular season uh, is a little, little short-sighted in terms of, in terms of how they're looking at it. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this too, in the past that, you know, let, uh, you know, I, I'll go back to what you, you had mentioned about, let's say the links over or succeed and they make the playoffs. Um, a lot of people will say, what are they doing? They're, they're wasting the chance to, you know, get maybe one of those two, if they come out this year, one of those two, you know, top players, Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers. It's like, okay. Let's say, let's break this down. If they, if one of those two or both of them, or well, let's say neither, either scenario, uh, if they, if they do or don't enter the draft, let's say Minnesota makes a playoffs and they get the eight seed. Well, that's still the fifth spot in the draft. Like that, that's still a good pick regardless. I mean, you, you know, you, you think about, they make the playoffs you know, a lot of the team develops well, um, and then they get, let's say, you know, the fifth pick, and then, you know, they they do get, uh, you know, a free agent or two. That's still a really good scenario, and that's not not a bad thing, and that's something that's probably going to be more of a quicker turnaround than getting, you know, Paige Beckers or, or Caitlin Clark. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd, you know, it'd be great to have one of those. Those are probably generational talents that, that'll be great WNBA players, but you can't wait and bank on them coming 
and, you know, waste another season and waste the talent that you do have because you, you got to keep going and you got to keep building up and you can't just wait for what ifs. And, and that's, that's one thing I think a lot of people are, are kind of forgetting or, you know, when they're talking about the, the tank for, you know, tank for page or tank for Caitlin Clark, it's like, okay, well, is Nafisa, Nafisa Collier, let's say you, you wait two years because you're going to try and get Caitlin Clark or Paige Beckers. Let's say they don't come out this year. They're going to come out the year after. Is Fee going to be there by the time they come in? Is Fee going to be like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to stay here when I can go play in, I don't know, let's say Washington is in a situation where they're win now and she wants to go play in Washington because they can win now and she wants to win a, a title. Well, then what happens? Then you're back at ground zero. So it, it's, and, it's a tricky line you got to you got to play there or toe. And keep in mind too, I, I hope everybody out there knows that Nafisa Collier took a pay cut so that she could try to help the Lynx recruit and that they would have more money to try to play with in terms of being able to get a star. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that that was like an all in like this past off season, we need to get a star. Like that's the reason I'm taking this pay cut. I think, I mean, I mean, obviously the links and everybody on that, you know, basketball operation side of the house, they, they know every, every single player when they're a free agent and have a free agent board for, every single year, probably for the next three or four years of like, here's who we'd love to get and gone through it with fee and the whole nine yards. So I, but I really think that this upcoming off season is when like, they've got to push some chips in the middle. Like I I sat here before the season started and and credited the links for not doing what they did three years ago when they uh, used all of the cap space that they had available to them on long-term protected contracts with KMAC Natalie Chanwa and, and Ariel Powers and protected all three years of, of each of those contracts. Like, I, I don't think that history will look back favorably on the totality of, of those three contracts. Um, and so I gave the links a lot of credit for not doing the same thing this year and feeling like they have to hamstring themselves by, by spending all that cap space and making them protected contracts and, and just filling up their books. Like nothing came to them that, that was, uh, you know, they thought was better for the development of the team in the interim, in the interim and the long term than Tiffany Mitchell. And I think that that uh, objectively has been a, a really, really good signing for the Lynx in terms of how they want to play and what Tiff's been able to do and how she fits with the existing players in this core. And I think that they've positioned themselves really nicely to have an infrastructure to bring another star into to try and take some of that scoring burden and just general creation burden for, for whether it be for herself or for others off of Nafisa Collier. And um, I, I think this off season is going to be an hour and everything for the links. Um, and the good news is that even if they do get Caitlin or page in the draft somehow, or they get a t- another top four or five pick, whatever it is, they can still draft one of those players and bring in another star. Hell, if they wanted to, I think they could bring in two stars just in terms of the cap space that they have. I believe the Lynx have the second most cap space of any team um, of any team in the league next off season. Uh, I, I could be, could be wrong on that. I'm double checking. Yeah. They have, they have, they have the second most behind the Liberty, but like when you look at the Liberty and who their free agents are, like, they're going to be bringing back Brianna Stewart, who will be a free agent. They're going to be bringing back uh, John Quell Jones, who will be a free agent. So, um, so really, I think, I mean, in, in terms of just like functional cap space, like the Lynx will have the most cap space of any team in the league. They've got arguably the the best, second best facilities, however you want to rank them in Vegas. Um, I mean, the the Cheryl Reeve USAB connection is is very real. Um, so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see see how that happens. But but I think a lot of that will 
be determined by the work that they're able to do in the second half of the season and whether they're able to build on some of that momentum that they uh, that they kind of started to stack up before that, you know, two games kid before the all-star break. So it's just going to be like, do they show enough the second half of the season to be able to attract one or two stars to, to come and play with this team? And, and in my opinion, if, if they're able to, to replicate a similar performance to the, the, really how they played for the mo- for the majority of June and July, I think that that answer will be yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think that maybe the, um, you know, maybe, you know, comparing last off season to maybe what they think or kind of where we're at right now, I think a lot has changed in the, the overall plan of the links. And, you know, I think the, you know, maybe, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the, the players they chose in, out of training camp I think that they came into training camp thinking that you know they had a pretty good idea of who they were maybe going to carry into the season and I think a couple of the players they cut were players that they thought were going to be with the team at the beginning of the season and I think a lot's changed already and I think a lot will change before for the you know before the next off season and um, you know, it, it will be key to see a how people how players develop, b how players continue to perform throughout this year. Because even the existing players that are on the roster, maybe the veterans, if they're not performing well, that maybe that changes their stance to next year. Um, and then the other side of things too is when when everybody was dishing out money this off season, Minnesota, as you mentioned, they they signed Tiffany Mitchell, but they they stayed relatively quiet. And there was a reason for that because they know that now when the next off season rolls around, they're going to be the people that are ready to spend that money. Kind of like what they were when they, you know, when they signed Natalie Chanwa, you know, Ariel powers and, and Caleb McBride that off season, they put themselves in that position. They knew that they would be in a spot to spend some money. Um, and I think that it'll be something similar to this off season. Now they'll probably have a better pick too. So that's, you know, that's interesting. And and they could, you know, they could, let's say they don't have a player, let's say Paige and Caitlin aren't going to be in this year's draft. And they, they don't think that they have a player at, at five, six, seven, whatever their position might be. They don't have a player there that they want to draft. They can trade it for, let's say a player, or they can trade it for an asset. They can trade it back for the, you know, the, the next year, which I don't know if a lot of people are going to trade if Caitlin and Paige don't come out this year, if they're not, they're not going to trade for a pick next year, but it's you know they they have options and that that's a good position to be in for a rebuilding team and you know a team that that is pretty open to to adding pieces around diamond dorka and and fee um and you could maybe throw kayla mcbride into that mix too but it they they have options and and that's like to your point that's that was you know strategically done and that's something that you know they're already looking forward to although they do want to continue to focus on this year and and what how they can develop the players and see fully what they have um, because you got to start there before you can build build from the ground up um when when it comes to uh let's go back to our our preseason um predictions um one thing that you know we, we already touched on the you know where they would stand in the standings or maybe their overall record um, the best offseason addition, I think, is is interesting because that we all kind of we all kind of hit that on the head there. Right? You know, we um, what two of us said Dorky Uhas and the other said uh, the other two said Tiffany Mitchell. I think that those two have been great. I mean, I think Dork has been better than what what the Lynx would have hoped. You know, stepping in for Jess Shepard and and kind of you know she hasn't wowed us with with her offensive production, but she's done everything else. She's done a lot what Jess Shepard does and and not you know 
not being the flashy player, but doing all the little things and doing what the team needs. And I think she's, she's been great and she hasn't looked like a rookie. She's looked like she's been in the league for a couple of years, which is, I, I, I think really, really important thing, maybe more so than her actual production. Um, and then you look at Tiffany Mitchell. I mean, she's been with the exception of being injured and being out, she's been great in, in filling in roles. I think they're still trying to figure out where she fits and what role she should play in. Um, you know, throwing her at point guard, I think they realized that that maybe didn't work out as well as they had hoped. Um, and, and Lindsay Allen's play has, has helped with that, um, in kind of switching Tiffany Mitchell back to, to maybe her more natural position, but both of those players have, have been great. And I think coming into the season, exactly what Minnesota hoped they would be, maybe even a little bit more than, than what they hoped they would be. What do you, what do you think on those two additions? Yeah, I think. You know, especially for for Tiffany Mitchell, I just thought that the team lacked really a consistent ability across the board to get into the paint. And and Tiffany Mitchell has done an excellent job of being able to get into the paint and get to the free throw line, kind of use that baseline as a as a way of being able to you know kick the ball out to the corner and kind of get the ball moving around the perimeter, um, and into somebody that has been able to run the offense for stretches. Like I, I wrote. Yeah, I think it was during the preseason that like I, I thought that Tiffany Mitchell should get a look at starting point guard. And she did. And and I thought she was she was pretty successful um and an important part of them, you know, starting to to find some of that offensive rhythm. And then when she started to struggle a little bit, Lindsay Allen came in and, and did a fantastic job. Um, you know, allowing allowing Tiff to get back to that that two guard a little bit, but then she got hurt right away. So um uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's been a rock solid addition um, and that she's done a lot of good to, you know, be able to alleviate some of that, that pressure on, on the piece of Collier from, in terms of getting into the paint and same, same with Diamond Miller. Um, so I, I think, you know, the more that we get to see those three players on the floor together, the more that, that we'll see Tiffany Mitchell be able to impact the game just because she won't be as much of a focal point for the defense, which, which I think will be important. Um, and then just with, with Dorka Yuhas, I mean, Sure, Reeve has, has talked at length about uh, at length about the the maturity that, that Dorka has shown um, as a professional and just the way that she's been able to to learn very quickly and and roll with the punches and and not get too down on herself or, or freak out in terms of oh I need you know I'm setting these standards for myself and if I'm not upholding myself to these standards every single time I'm on the floor I'm gonna like freak out and not trust myself or not be confident. She's just been so even keeled and, um, you know, never too high, never too low, but in a good way, um, in a way that really fosters development. And I, I don't, I, if you looked at like a low range and a, and a high range of outcomes um, for, for what her rookie season could be, I think that this would be like damn near the top of, of highest outcomes. I think her rim protection um, and the way that she's stayed down on pump fakes and the way that she's been able to guard the likes of Neko Gumake and Brittany Griner and, um, you know, and Asia Wilson being able to, you know, deal with a lot of the really quick uh, or really tall players that are, that are in the league today that, that really just cause all sorts of problems down on the low block um, and in the mid range. Um, she's done, she's done a phenomenal job for, for someone, you know, with her skills at, at her age and her, her experience. Um, so the way that, the way that she's been able to impact the game has been, has been awesome. And um, well, really the two of them together, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer in terms of in terms of how you want to go about that one. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you, you even, you look at those two additions, we're not even talking about Diamond Miller yet. I mean, it, 
And now, like you said earlier, she hasn't been fully healthy. She's been very inconsistent. Um, but she's still the number two pick, and she looks pretty dang good when she's on. And, you know, pairing those two additions with her and what could come, it's – it's and you, you have – and we'll talk about her in just a second. Then you have Fee playing unbelievable and at you know in her fifth year and you could argue that it's probably her fourth year because she only played four games last year but in her fifth year and she would tell you it's her fourth year yeah yeah that's what she said earlier in the year too she's like I don't really consider last year a year but I guess and she should she's exactly right right yeah but I guess let's let's jump right into into fee I mean I a lot of people I I mean myself included I I predicted before the year in our, our piece at Candace Hoopas that I thought, you know, she would be at one point in the MVP conversation. I didn't think she'd be in the MVP, MVP conversation before the all-star break. I didn't think she would be playing this well. Um, but it, I mean, she's deserved to be in that conversation. She's, uh, you know, a lot of people I thought she would, you know, expected her to bounce back and have a good year. I don't know if a lot of people thought she would have this good of a year and she's, she's playing unbelievable right now. I mean, she just, Got a career high, 35 points. It seems like she's she's getting at least 20, 25, 30 points a night. Um, you know, she ranks top five in the league in scoring, you know, and she's doing all the little things of, of rebounding. Um, you know, she's very active defensively on the, um, you know, uh, with, you know, protecting the paint, with blocks and steals. And she's just such an overall talent that is, is it, it's been incredible to watch so far. And we're only halfway through the year. I guess what um, you know when it when it comes to the the type of season that that we've seen from her, you know, is it is it better than what what you think, um, you know, or what you thought expected, you know, coming into the year, or how do you, you know, how do you wrap your head around what we've what we've seen from Fee so far? Yeah, I, you know, the biggest thing for me has just been the mindset change. Um, and the way that I've seen Fee uh, in her first three seasons has really just been as like one of the league's elite connectors in that she fills so many gaps on both ends of the floor and kind of brings everybody together with the way that she plays and helps a team play more connected basketball. Um, and so inherently she makes everybody around her better because she's doing all the little things on defense. She's, you know, somebody that that rarely takes bad shots on offense and is always going to make the extra pass to help get a teammate open or, or you know, create scramble situations that, that the team can attack or, or the way that she cuts, even if she doesn't get the ball, can create better spacing for the offense. So it's like things like that, that even when she's not scoring, she's really making a difference. And she just wasn't really that aggressive of a scorer, frankly. Like, I think she would probably admit that, that, that she wasn't as aggressive as she needed to be, uh, especially two seasons ago. Um, and when you have somebody like Syl, as dominant as Syl is, like, it totally makes sense that she wasn't as aggressive as she needed to be because you want to play through such a physical mismatch that you have. Um, but this season, the way that she started this season – um, she didn't have a great first few games of the year. And, and I would assume that's the reason why she wasn't named an all-star starter. Um, just because I think ultimately, like, if you don't come out of the gates red hot, like it's really hard to, it's really hard to kind of over, like, I don't want to say like overturn that narrative, but like really like, you know, push back against it. And, and she definitely pushed back against it in a major way. It's just that, um, it didn't happen maybe soon enough for some of those things to come to fruition, but like, 
if you look at the way that she started the season and how Cheryl was like, we need Nafisa Collier. We need it to be clear every night that Nafisa Collier is our best player. And that pretty much that, that flip just got switched when you're, when you're looking at, at fee and, and her game logs. I mean, if you want to look at, at like her first few games of the season, she had 17, 28 and, and 21 points in her first, four games of the season, then followed it up with 17 and a loss at Dallas. And then after that, uh, the next really all of June, her worst game was 17 points on five of 10 shooting and then 18 points on six fifteen. Every other game, she had at least 21 points and in an all but one more of those games. So in all but three games in June, she had at least 24 points. Just crazy the way that she just flipped a switch and just became an absolute dynamite scorer. And the, and the best part about, you know, all of these scoring, you know, nights is that like almost every single one of them, she's above 50% shooting. Um, and that's even with having a bunch of nights where her three point shooting is, is one of five, one of four, one of four, one of four, you know, like the way that she's been so efficient inside of the arc has been, has been awesome. And I mean, it makes total sense when you consider how good her footwork is and that her mid range shooting has always been, um, has always been rock solid now. I mean, her three pointer hasn't even gotten her to the point where like it's consistent for her and that she's able to use it as a scoring tool. I think, you know, defense is respected a little more, but where she's really been dominant has been inside the arc. Mm -hmm. And so I think if she can get to a point where she can also be dominant outside the arc, um, you know, hopefully that comes next season. Um, Whereas now I think she's just kind of getting back closer to that, like average from, from beyond the arc uh, space. Um, it, it's just going to be over for, for teams, frankly, like it, it's already somewhat over for teams trying to guard her right now. Um, because it seems really to me, like the only nights where she hasn't scored very well is when she's just been tired from literally dragging the team on her back for 40 minutes at a time. Uh, which is just really difficult to to deal with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, that's just the way that I'd characterize it is like it, it's just been spectacular to see from her mindset switching from like this super connective piece, make everybody around me better to I'm going to make everybody around me better because I'm attracting three and four defenders every single time I touch the ball. And, oh, yeah, I'm just, even though that's what's happening, I'm still going to find a way to score you know, 25 a night or, or whatever she's been averaging. I think it's up to like 22 a night now, which I want to say is third, uh, third in yeah, the WNBA. 21.9 through the July 20th or the July 18th game. So, yeah, yeah so she's she's third right behind Brianna Stewart. Like if, if, if you would have told me at the start of the season that Nafisa Collier would have been third in scoring, I probably would not have believed you. Um, but it's – but that ascension that she's taken to, to really be like a legit superstar, one of the seven best players in the league, um, you know, seven, 10, whatever ran, I don't really care that much about rankings, but like one of the truly, like when you think of elite players, like you can't leave a piece of Collier off that list type of players um, is huge. And then you, you also look at diamond Miller and it's like, you feel like you've got your one, two or your one, three, set for a long time on the wing which is which is awesome mm -hmm. yeah, oh I, and the other thing the other thing i want to mention about fee that people forget about fee is fee's one of the best defensive players in the league mm -hmm. and and you look at her backside rim protection has been absolutely fantastic she she calls out 
you know, what they're doing, make sure people are in the right spots. Um, I mean, she's had a game with three blocks, six blocks, four blocks. She's had games with three steals, four steals, you know, multiple times. So she's just been everywhere on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I know that, that we're biased on some level, but like, I don't know that there's a, another player in the league. Maybe Alyssa Thomas is like the only one that I would like feel pretty good about saying this about that's like more valuable than fee. But like, if you took her off the team, the Lynx, I think I could pretty confidently say the Lynx would have zero wins if mm-hmm. Nafisa Collier, maybe one win if Nafisa Collier was not playing. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what other players you could say that about. Like I said, um, you know, Alyssa Thomas, maybe. But other than that, uh, or Jewel Lloyd, definitely. Jewel Lloyd, for sure, yeah, is also I, in that conversation. But I, uh, I crazy. Started, so by the time the, this podcast um, comes out, I'll have a piece out about um, Nafisa Collier. And I, I make the case for her being in the MVP conversation. And one thing that um, you know I, I looked at initially was the first 20 games. How, how is she doing in wins versus losses? And how does that differentiate? That was the first thing I, I kind of thought of to, to look up. And I'll have this included in, in that piece as well. But when the Lynx win in the nine, so over the first 20 games leading up to the All-Star break, the Lynx were nine and 11. In those nine wins, it's complete flip from the 11 losses. In, in the nine wins, she's averaging 24 points, 9.4 rebounds, three assists, two steals, about one and a half blocks, shooting 50 and a half percent, and her plus minus is 7.2, plus 7.2. In those losses, she's averaging five points less, so it's 19 points. She's averaging 6.3 rebounds, that's 3.1 rebounds less. She's averaging just under um, an assist less a game at 2.2 in those losses. 1.4 steals, which is half a steal less. Um, in, in what, just under a block a game um, and is shooting 46% in the plus minus in losses, minus 11.1. In that you know, you could, there's, there's multiple factors for that. It's not just, you know, it's, there's a lot that happens in those losses. Maybe fee is not playing as much because maybe it's a blowout, you know, a lot can play into effect or kind of go into effect with, with those those stats. But that to me is, it's, that's interesting. I mean, I, I compared her to just out of curiosity, just to see like what Neko Gumake is doing right now. Cause I view those two situations very similar with NECA carrying the team every night and Fee trying to carry the team every night with while dealing with injuries, while dealing with a young team, whatever it may be. And they're, they're basically the same fees is probably almost a little bit better. So it's like, you know, you, if people are talking about Neko Gumake in the, in the MVP conversation. Why isn't Fee right there with her? If she's having a better year and she's more important, isn't that what the, the award is the most valuable player. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that, you know, people are recognizing her, but she's still not getting that recognition league wide. And I think part of it is because Minnesota's not doing well. And that's, you know, that that's part of it as well. Um, you get the recognition when your team's doing well and your people are watching you more. But and the other part of it is like Neck has been doing it forever. Right. Whereas like Neck is going to come to mind, like I should have said NECA too, like Jewel and AT and NECA. Mm-hmm. But like this is the year that Fee is really broken out. And the team isn't doing all that well. So I think it's like, that's the combination where Fee isn't like this legacy superstar, like NECA has been, where NECA's brilliance is that she's done it for so many years. And that like, 
their teams have not been good for like the last three or four years and she's still just been doing the damn thing um and and that's the thing with fees like i hope that that people now like even if the links aren't doing well the links are like okay damn like nafis kali really is like one of the preeminent players in the league and i and i think you you looked at it really well like you know a lot of people wanted to say like oh look at satu and and satu definitely like i think was rebounding better than fee but like fee was scoring more efficiently than satu was um and is a much better defender than Satu is as well. Um, and Dallas already had an all-star starter in Enrique Aguinbole. And so I think that part of like the allure of that team, they're doing well, brings on that type of thing. And I just think it's like, I just challenge people to look deeper than the the rank or the standings to try to try to find, you know, who these types of players are, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I guess kind of kind of to, to wrap things up to kind of po- put a bow on things, um, you know, in comparing our, our preseason expectations and kind of where we're at right now, do you think it's kind of, you know, the predictions that you did make, let's say maybe let's get, keep it team um, centric, you know, the, you know, the records that we did outline, do you think that they finish around that mark below that mark above that mark? How, how do you think that the year rounds out? I think that, that they do uh, finish a little bit under what my projection was just because their, their schedule is a little bit more difficult here. Um, So yeah, I think, I think that's where we'll land. Um, So I I, I don't know. I'd say that they're, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I feel pretty confident about that portion of my prediction. I just don't think they're going to be 2020. I think they'll probably finish four or five games below 500. So that 18 to 22, 17 and 23 range. Um, so something like that. I mean, I, I also feel pretty good about my, my bold predictions section, which was that Jess Shepard was going to lead the team in assists. Um, and, and obviously she's been out, but if you just want to look at like assists per game, she's still number one, she's tied with Lindsay Allen for, for number one on the team. So I feel good about that. Um, my other ones, uh, I said my biggest surprise this season was going to be Dorky Uhas, so I feel great about that. Um, just for the sake of picking a player that wasn't Nafisa Collier, I chose Tiffany Mitchell as leading scorer. Um, so obviously that one's not going great, but um, otherwise, like I feel pretty good about about where we're at with this. And, and you nailed yours with uh, with Fee being in the MVP conversation. Um, so. It's been, it's been fun to see these unfold for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's always fun to to you know whether it's you know even just record predictions or whatever predictions it may be, just to to go back at the end of the year and be like, okay, we're completely wrong. I don't know what I was thinking at the beginning of the beginning of the year, but it yeah it it it'll be interesting to see it play out and and how that that all shakes out and how they finish up in the standings and um, which which Canis uh, Hoopus writer gets a free beer because of of winning those predictions. Just kidding. We don't have that that on the line. We should have, but we didn't. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, and I think just long story short, just to kind of wrap things up for for fans listening that, you know, it, I've, I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it again. I'll say it to the rest of their for the rest of the year. This team is young. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. It's not, even if they make the playoffs, it's, you know, this isn't a team of, you know, the links past, like it, it's not, they're not going to make, make a, a run this year and that's okay. Um, but it's, and it's not the end of the world if they don't get the number one pick, because who knows if Caitlin Clark or Paige Beckers are even going to come out um, in, in Minnesota 
they're in a good, they're in a win-win situation, I think this year with, with where they're at and, and regardless of, of how the year shakes out. So I know fans don't want to hear it. I know people don't want to hear it, but just as I don't like them, but as Aaron Rodgers once said, R E L A X and, and everything will be all right. But um, Jack, thank you for joining. Um, it's as always, it's a blast to blast to chat with you. And uh, for anybody looking to to find Jack, you can follow him. He mentioned at the beginning of, of this uh, recording that follow him on Twitter, uh, check out our work at, at canisoupus.com. Um, you can follow both of us on, like I said, on Twitter to uh, catch our ramblings and, and nonsense and back and forth banter that, that we often do. So, so make sure to, Check us out and check out CandiceHoops.com. Check out Leo's work, Benny's work, everybody else. Check out the Timberwolves work that's over there as well as the link stuff. Um, a lot of good work going there, and it'll continue um, you know, the rest of the year and throughout the year. So, Jack, thanks again for joining. I appreciate it. And maybe at the end of the year we'll have to, uh, we'll have to do this again just to wrap things up and uh, to go, go over maybe how right or how wrong we were on everything. Absolutely, man. Always a blast. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Jack. Thanks again to Jack for joining. Like I said before, before the podcast ran, before the the uh, sit down with Jack began, that it's it's always great talking basketball with Jack. Um, I, he's he's a great guy. He's very knowledgeable. He's he's probably one of the smartest basketball minds that that I've gotten to work alongside, and it's it's been a lot a lot of fun to to be able to join him at Canis Hoopus. Um, you know, get get kind of closer to him as as a friend and and as a as kind of a, a colleague um, in covering this team and covering this league. So Jack Jack is great. Um, he's, he's one of the, one of the nicest guys you can meet. So, uh, go check out Jack on, on Twitter, on social media, check him out at Canis Hoopus, read a lot of his work. Um, he's, he's very talented. And, and like I said, I'm lucky to, lucky to work alongside him. So, um, another thing I want to point out is our, um, or, or kind of mention is our sponsors, um, our partners that we have at, at hitting the hardwood really appreciative for, for all that they do. Um, if you know anybody, or maybe you, um, are interested in, in kind of teaming up with hitting the hardwood, email us at hitting the hardwood at gmail.com. I'm happy to chat about things, you know, whether it's plugging you on this podcast, um, you know, making you a sponsor of, of really anything else. Um, you know, feel free to, to chat with us and, and willing to, to look into that further and, and help you out as, as well as helping uh, out hitting the hardwood. Um, but uh, the two uh, partners that we do have um, right now that I'm really happy to to partner with all season long, um, um, Homage and Better, or, excuse me, Better Edge. Um, I was going to spell out Better Edge, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But let's start with Homage. Um, they have a lot of uh, uh, really cool um, vintage clothing. They have really cool vintage gear, um, WNBA, any sport you can think of. They have uh, basic team logos. They have t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever whatever you uh, whatever you want they have there. And um, I'm the proud owner of, of a few few different clothing items, and, and it's really really quite uh, comfortable and, and I really, really like, uh, really like all the stuff that they offer there. So please go check them out. H O M A G E.com. Um, and then I'll get to better edge, better edge.com B E T T O R edge.com. Um, a lot of stuff on that site is, you know, you, you can, you can obviously bet against people. You can bet on sports. You can bet on the WNBA, bet on the links, whatever you want to do. Um, I enjoy it all the time. Um, or I, I use it all the time and I enjoy it a lot. Um, you can basically go on there. You can compete against others. You can bet by yourself. You can, you know, in, in the competitions that I regularly start up, it's pick them. Um, so you can you can pick, um, you know, teams straight up. You can pick against the spread, the money line, uh, over, under, whatever you want to do. Um, you can compete against people. You can just do it by yourself if you want. Uh, the competitions, I, I do run a few of those um, throughout the year. Um, or actually, I, I try and do them quite regularly. 
Uh, but I'll, you can come compete against me. It's only a dollar to, to play in the league. Um, you can bet against me. You can bet against whoever else. Um, take my money. I always say that on this podcast. You come take my money because your odds are you will take my money. So so come do that. Um, and if you are a first-time user, um, go to betteredge.com forward slash links and use the promo code links. That's L-Y-N-X. And when you do that, you get uh, $20 in free play right away. So at least go check that out and try it out. Um, I know once you try it, you'll love it. So please go check them out, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. One last thing I don't want to mention um, is our Hitting the Hardware store, Hitting the Hardwood website. Um, you can go check out all of that um, on our social medias. Um, Hitting the Hardwood store, you can get a lot of cool uh, Hitting the Hardwood gear. Um, it's all Lynx colors, so uh, all blue and, and, and that, that royal blue, that dark blue, um, or white or gray. There's some sweatpants on there, joggers that are gray. Um, we have anything from from tank tops, sweatshirts, long sleeves, t-shirts, um, sweatpants, like I said, hats, um, phone cases, stickers, magnets, uh, pint glasses, mugs, whatever you can think of, um, we got on that store. So please go check that out. Um, and you can, like I said, you can find that on our social medias um, at hitting the hitting hard one on Twitter or hitting the hard one on on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but please go check that out. And and like I said, with our, our patrons, um, I mentioned our patrons, some of the perks that they get is they get a, a discount. Um, so they get a 25% discount just for being a patron through the Hitting the Hardwood store. So um, that's another perk that, that gets offered through our Patreon page. To wrap things up, uh, I, I just want to say thank you to, to everybody for listening to the podcast. Um, not only this podcast, but every week. Um, I, I really appreciate your support and I look forward to continuing to you know, record the podcast to to offer this to, to everybody that's interested um, and then to have some guests uh, some interesting guests um, if you ever have anybody that you think um, you'd like to hear on the on the podcast anything about the store any questions about hitting the hardwood whatever it may be um, please uh, email like I said hitting the hardwood at gmail.com reach out to us on Twitter any Facebook Instagram any social medias um, reach out to us and and let us know so thank you again for listening and I will see you next week. 